guess who's Bazak? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into another episode of the Page Turners Podcast with your boy Elgin Bailey here with a not another hot one. Got kind of tongue-tied right there. What the hell? Anyway, this is season four. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, season four of the Page Turners Podcast. This is episode three. This season, we are walking through page by page. Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power by Dr. Jarrett Ball. This is a scorcher, man. This is one of those books that you want to get, share, read, give, share, read. Uh, This is an important book to uh, assist, particularly those who are fighting for the liberation of our people. Uh, And some brief housekeeping, man. Go over to patreon.com slash page turners BTM and become a member of my Patreon page. 50% of all of the Patreon monies go to Page Turner's book giveaways, where I will take the monies and buy books, and then I will go give books out to the community. So I'm really excited about this, man. This is a very important uh, dream of mine to do such a thing like this. Uh... Within the next episode or two, I'll be sharing the the book list of all the books. Uh, we got fiction, nonfiction, all reading levels uh, for the folks, man. So it's really important that y'all participate as much as possible. Uh, a number of different tiers, man. You have choices. And there's a way for you simply just to cash at me. Dollar sign Elgin Bailey. And I will take... Uh, the money that you send and I will go buy books and uh, to make sure that I'm being held accountable I will take pictures of the books and post them via social media Uh, because the last thing I want anybody to think that I'm doing is misappropriating the funds in any form shape or capacity so we're in chapter one and I read Consumerism, spending habits, good or bad, do not determine collective wealth or economic strength. A lot of you people, a lot of people, a lot of you folks who are listening, believe that our spending habits, good and good or bad, as a people, determine our collective wealth or economic strength. That if folks were just about buying weave, I don't think folks buy weave anymore, they buy bundles, I don't know. Uh, I'm walking, rocking a Caesar, so I, I don't know. Um, but if they stop buying Jordan, stop lining up and getting the most expensive iPhone, things along those lines, then we would be in a better economic position. This book is going to clearly show you that that is bullshit. Uh, before we get to that point, I'm going to tell you it's bullshit. Uh, and I read. Black people are not poor for having missed out on previous opportunities or by choosing today out of some form of cultural deformity or intractable financial literacy to, as Jay-Z suggests, foolishly give away potential communal wealth by shopping. Jay-Z, like most commercial artists and art, reflects a racial and class politics 
often masked by talent and performance. The art becomes an extension of the commercial, political, and ideological marketing forces who own the media product, often not the artists themselves, along with its means of production and distribution. It stands to reason that, as I and others have shown, much of the popular commercial media and art has become literal marketing for products contains many of the same advertising industries mechanisms for selling wares as well as ideas regarding the national economic arrangement if hip-hop can be used to sell cars clothes and jewelry it certainly can be used to sell equally fantastical notions of achieving financial freedom and i read Inherent to Jay-Z's verse is the idea that black buying power is both real and squandered. Jay-Z suggests that a redirection of black consumerism, consumption, excuse me, habits can meaningfully overturn existing inequality and that no other significant barriers to that overthrow exist. I think that's the one component that I really want people to often to, to understand that <sighs> If we just somehow redirect how we manage our money, that does not mean that we are going to be in a better economic state. Because you have to have actually have money, right? You actually have to have finances in order for that to be the case. And I read... But what Jay-Z also demonstrates is the ubiquity of economic mythology and the many ways through which these myths are conveyed to wider audiences. What follows is my attempt to demonstrate at a minimum the absence of any real buying power, the origins of the concept, its appropriation later by businesses and media interests, and then also the mechanisms and context which this and other myths originate, persist, and thrive. Specifically, the myth and propaganda of black buying power demonstrates the claim that African America has roughly one trillion in buying power is popularly repeated mythology with no basis in sound economic logic or data. I need to read that again because I see a lot of folks still pushing this one trillion dollar buying power myth. It has no basis in sound economic logic or data. While the myth has a longer history, it is today largely prevailed by the misreadings and poor false interpretations of Nelson surveys and marketing reports produced by Silic Center for Economic Growth at Terry College of Business housed in Bank of America Financial Center in Athens, Georgia, whereas their website explains... Their bias and purpose, listen to this, is in their founding mission. The center was created to convey economic expertise to Georgia business and entrepreneurs. It, it was particularly put in place for businesses and entrepreneurs as a marketing strategy. Buying power is a marketing phrase 
that refers only to the power of consumers to purchase what are strictly available goods and is used as a measurement for corporations to better market their products. Most of the contemporary popular understandings of the myth of... Ooh, that's heavy right there. Lord have mercy. <sighs> Most of the contemporary and popular understanding of the myth and buying power is derived from and maintained by a commercial black press whose own commercial interests attracting advertising dollars from the largest white corporations supersede any journalistic mission to properly inform. Power has nothing to do with actual economic strength. There is no collective $1 trillion that black people have and just foolishly spend ignorantly to their economic detriment. The myth of buying power functions as a propaganda working to deny the reality of structural, intentional, and necessary economic inequality required to maintain society as is one that benefits an increasingly decreasing number of people. To do this, the myth functions to falsely blame the poor for being poor. Poverty, the myth encourages as a result of the poor having little to no financial literacy or as resulting from their bad spending habits, when in reality, poverty is an intended result of an economic and social system. Anyone at all familiar with any part of the black political sphere will have heard one form of another the following. If we just used our money like other communities, if we didn't spend so much on hair, cars, and weed, we can make our dollars circulate like they do and be far better off. More specifically, those familiar with like spaces would have heard references to the numbers that black America's economic economy makes it among the most powerful nation of national I'm going to read this again because I fumbled that shit bad that black America's economy makes it among the most powerful national economies in the world and that we have one trillion that we must misuse that's foolish from the most isolated and forcibly marginalized radical activist spaces to the most commonly populated spheres of black political discourse, the refrain is consistent and always suggests the same, that at least a solid portion of black oppressive political pie is comprised of a financial illiterate backwards mass, in mass incapable of correcting itself to take proper advantage of a freedom which waits just slightly beyond their feeble grasp. The suggestion that black people lack financial literacy and therefore ignorantly refuse opportunities to advance economically obliterates the realities of capitalism as an economic and social system or conditions that systems create. It lets capitalism off the fucking hook. It actually blames the people for being in the position that they're in. And that is horrible. The idea is as simple as it is wrong, but is masked by surrounding powerful and highly propagated mythology. The buying power of black America is often repeated now, said to have crossed one trillion annually, is foolishly squandered, but with some unity could be harnessed to overturn the centuries-old, eerily consistent economic deprivations suffered still. However, 
buying power as a concept popularly held is entirely misunderstood and has been by so many for so long that it continues to confound and inhibit conversations about economics in general, the specifics of the black economic condition, and what might be done about it. And while all communities, all segments of all communities, business municipalities, and so on, have their buying power assessed, it is only in relation to black America that the concept becomes truly mythologized. Beyond that, the myth is politically weaponized with a very particular pernocious and pervasiveness metastasized to the conceptual original sin of American racism. The misunderstanding and misapplication of the concept of buying power by those friendly and hostile to the black community is unparalleled anywhere in political, economic, and media analysis. Black America does not have, I repeat, Black America does not have an annual $1 trillion that is collectively by some choice spent frivolously rather than harnessed to betterment of the collective. Here we must develop upon a difference between powers of economic strength, as is conventionally understood, and buying power, a concept developed by business, advertising, marketing, and government interests where power is defined only as a group's ability to enrich those interests. Genuine economic strength is measured in wealth, assets, land, stock, etc., and with a clarity in the differences between wealth and income, the latter being what one earns in exchange for labor, the former being income earned from the labor of others. Power in the phrase buying power does not mean what many assume is a kind of genuine wealth, sovereignty, or autonomy. Once consigned to the phrase buying power, that latter term loses all popular held assumptions of its meaning and becomes something very different, almost dangerously different in terms of how that difference is carried to and with what impact it has on various audiences and black America specifically. Lord have mercy. In the form of his associations with the word buying, Power means only the ability to spend what available money or credit is available on only the specific goods similarly made available for purchase. Having access to rims, fronts, hair, or weed is one thing. While access to capital, stock, land, expanding businesses, and so on is quite another. Black people can buy marijuana, just not the increasingly legal dispensaries emerging into a multi-billion dollar, <laughs> almost exclusive white industry. Buying power, spending power, and purchasing power all are interchangeable and can be applied to nearly every possibly grouped segment of society and are also applied to corporations and local, state, and even national governments. But the concept, or more appropriately said, the marketing formula, is used with a particular pernicious effect when it comes to black America, and, as such, deserves a special focus and attempt at dispelling. 
nowhere else for no one else is buying power used as a bludgeon with with, with such regularity and persistence within communities both in terms of media attention and as a method of political organization as is the case with black america nobody nobody else is dealing with this for solutions to come it is true that those spaces where black politics are most often discussed and where the futures of black people are most seriously considered must rid themselves of this and other mythologies related to the economy of the united states and the role black people play within. This would include challenging the prevailing wisdom as it applies to the subject only of past and present luminaries. Across the political spectrum and across space and time, the myth of black buying power has been carried by many important black historical figures. The heavy promotion of the myth, its origins in and being so well suited to a commercial journalism and media environment has helped propel the myth into every segment of black politics across its entire spectrum. No particular formation from left to right have been able to entirely escape a myth which has been misapplied to their varying efforts. The few critiques which have ever been waged have been lost in the masses of propaganda by all claiming an economic reality, which is not, with a few exceptions. None clearer and more direct than that of George Jackson. Has there been a resounding near unanimity on this issue? Jackson, exceptional as he was, again, here too, stands largely. Y'all forgive that fucking train in the background, man. Y'all be alright. George Jackson. Let's see what the good brother Jackson speaks on here. And I read, So what is to be done after the revolution has failed? After our enemies have created a conservative mass society based on meaningless electoral politics, spectator sports, and a 3% annual rise in purchasing power, strictly regulated to negate itself with a corresponding raise in the cost of living. What is to be done about an expertly, scientifically calculated, contrapositive mobilization of the entire society? What can we do with a people who have gone through their authoritarian process and come out sick to the core? There will be a fight. There will be a fight. There will be a fight. We're going to move right on into chapter two right now, family. Got about 10 more minutes. Might as well go ahead and deal with it. Chapter 2, Propaganda versus Economics, Constructing a Myth. Abstract, the myth of black buying power is dismantled by taking primarily two lines of argumentation as an issue born of a media environment itself well suited to the transmission of propaganda and B, as an issue of economics or economics reporting with substantive, substantive, Research and data on economic condition of black people is supplanted by more salacious and fallacious claims of economic strength. Keywords. Public policy. Economics. 
buying power. And I read, Black power is more propaganda than it is buying power. Sorry. Black buying power is more propaganda than it is economics. That is the financial side of the myth. While nuanced and even at times complicated is relatively more easily dismissed once the fog of media and sloppy journalism clears. On the one hand, it is truly simple. For example, the median income for black America was reported in 2018 at $40,000 a year, and there are roughly 40 million African Americans in the United States. Let's do this math, family. For it to be what is popularly understood as more than $1 trillion in buying power, this would mean each and every single black person would have to spend at least every single penny earned. Every woman, child, and man, regardless of age, would have to spend it all to amass the claim number. 40 million times 40,000 is 1.6 trillion, slightly more than the claim 1.2 trillion dollars. <laughs> Worse than the measurements of wealth are made, a far more accurate assessment of actual economic conditions the projections make claims of power more dubious. If the racial wealth divide is left unaddressed and is not exasperated further over the next eight years, median black household wealth is on a path to hit zero by 2053. 2053. About 10 years after it is projected that racial minorities will comp comprise the majority of the nation's population. <sighs> and further, with the U.S. set to become a majority minority by 2044, researchers say that the spells, sir, with the U.S. to set, with the U.S. set to become majority minority, I had to read that three times because I've heard that stated before, but it always blows my mind. Anyway, with the U.S. set to become a majority minority by 2044, researchers say that spells major economic peril for the nation. If the racial wealth divide continues to accelerate, the economic conditions of black and Latino households will have an increasingly adverse impact on the economy writ at large because the majority of U.S. households will no longer have enough wealth to stake their claim in the middle class. Another reading, leading researcher on the subject of black economic history has put recently. Oh, this is depressing, but needed to be said. At 1%, black America retains today roughly the same percentage of national wealth held in 1863. At 1%, black America retains today roughly the same percentage of national wealth held in 1863. And as yet another study concludes, regardless of the quality of condition of the national economy, black people remain always in permanent recession. More still, what are described as wealth and income gaps between black and white America continue either to widen or show signs of closing at rates which will literally take hundreds of years to achieve parity. 
how then can there be much power in buying? How then can power be redefined as every black person, including those too old or too young to even be in the workforce, retaining none of what they earn? Black people have very little money and less wealth, as will be detailed below through a thorough comparative review of related journalism. The reality of black economic life is often an unreflected and even suppressed beneath more wishful and fanciful emphasis in their interpretations relative to the national economy in white America against which economic gaps are measured. Black people at roughly 14% of the population represent or constitute or maintain a paltry 1% of national wealth. You hear me? 1% of national wealth. If all of the deposits in all of the country's so-called minority banks were combined into one, it would rank 16th in the United States for total deposits and would still be hundreds of billions of dollars behind just the top three banks alone. Even within the false construct of buying power, black people still only have 8%. <laughs> black people earn far less than the white counterparts regardless of education levels. Inherent national anti-blackness means that socioeconomical, economically, the value of homes owned by black people drops, rendering largely meaningless even the idea of home ownership as a pathway to economic equality. Indeed, in all the areas of life, the cost of blackness renders meaningless most claims of economic or material events. Incarceration, police violence, and surveillance media-related trauma, healthcare, and more, all point to conditions which can only be said to be improvements over already inappropriate standards for human existence. But mostly, it remains still, as the late legendary legal scholar Derrick Bell once summarized, that inequality is a matter of intentional public policy, not an end issue of individual or community behavior. In fact, as Bell put it, if the nation's policies towards blacks were revised to require weekly random roundups of several hundred blacks who were then taken to a secluded space and shot, that policy would be more dramatic but hardly different in results than the policies now in effect, which most of us feel powerless to change. Which most of us feel powerless to change I'm going to read that last statement by Derek Bell one more time if the nation's policies towards blacks were revised to require weekly roundups of several hundred blacks who were then taken to a secluded spot and shot that policy would be more dramatic but hardly different in results than the policies now in effect, which most of us feel powerless to change. Ain't that some shit? Hmm. Damn. That's heavy. 
This was a heavy episode, man, of unpacking. Unpacking what is and isn't the racial wealth gap. And more importantly, and specifically, what exactly is buying power? What is buying power? And I think that is so crucial for folks to understand as we continue to hear this myth pushed and propagated and shared and all that other type of shit. And you see all these folks pushing this damn rhetoric, man, and and pushing this out in ways and manners that is so damn frustrating. And I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm so damn tired of hearing about it. And we're going to learn more about the Seller Center. We're going to get a better understanding of what and who they are and why they propagate this myth in the manner in which they do. But for now, family, I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Page Turners Podcast with your boy Elgin Bailey as I continue to try to change the lives of predominantly black spaces one book at a time here at the Page Turners. That's what we are about. That's what we're doing. Remember, you can become a member of our Patreon. That is at patreon.com slash page turners B-T- Emma. I appreciate all of you, man, for tuning in. Please, again, make sure you share this shit. Till next time.